Welcome to the Elevate podcast. This series focuses on elevating and inspiring women and girls into or to remain in the tech sector from the classroom to the boardroom. I'm Kelly Kwarteng, founder and CEO of Halzak and host of the show. Welcome back to another episode of Elevate Women in Tech. Today we meet Sarah Persov, engineering team lead at Dojo. Sarah is an engineering team lead and a passionate advocate for women in tech with a career rooted in software engineering and a fervent commitment to inclusivity. She's on a mission to foster a more diverse and equitable tech community. Sarah, absolute pleasure to have you on um, Elevate Women in Tech today. Um, So thank you very much for giving us your time. If it's okay with you, before we kind of jump into things and, and kick things off, could you give our listeners a glimpse into your role and responsibilities over at Dojo as engineering team lead? Definitely. I'm really excited to be here today and I'm really excited to talk about all these great things I'm passionate about. Now, my role as an engineering team lead at Dojo essentially for me means that I'm both a technical lead and a people manager. So I lead a small niche team that focuses on building software for other software engineers in a platform trial. Perfect. Um, And in terms of your take and your thoughts on the tech industry right now, what do you think or what do you find is the um, the most exciting thing that's happening in the tech industry? And conversely, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that we're facing or about to face? So I'd say something that's really exciting over the last couple of years in particular is the flexibility in terms of hybrid working, working from home, in the office, you know, that better understanding of being able to work from home when needed. But on the flip side, more and more studies have actually come out in the last year that women who are in a hybrid role like that are still taking on a disproportionate amount of the household care and the child care. I'm really lucky that my partner actually takes on a fair amount of that, if not more than me most of the time, in house care if we don't have children. But I know more and more mothers in particular and carers, and obviously this doesn't just affect women, it affects everyone, but it disproportionately affects women. This whole big push for returning to the office where companies have this idea of an antiquated way of working, where being in the office is best, even though it's been proven that hybrid is best, and particularly for engineers who sometimes need that, you know, isolation to be able to really focus and get something out, but also want that social aspect. And it can be better for certain things like problem solving, planning, road mapping. And I think it's something that we really need to keep an eye on. Because when companies are pushing for people to return for the sake of people being in the office and not with the actual individuals in mind, you're going to really lead to a mass leaving of the industry where women who were able to join the industry over these last five years due to hybrid working are suddenly having that taken away from them and they're having to make the decision of, well, I can't afford to do that. I can't afford for you know, somebody's picked the kids up after school or I'm having to care for an elderly relative or X, Y, Z. And I think it's something we all need to be conscious of, but we really need to ensure that we are doing the best for each individual person's need. Couldn't agree with you more there. I think, you know, the whole flexibility and hybrid working 
obviously COVID times was fully remote working, really showed what was possible within tech, but across all industries. And there has been this real flip now to really push people back in the office. And I think, as you said, you know, that conscious effort, effort around what is the actual reason? Is it to bring people back for the sake of bringing them back to be present? And that's that presenteeism piece. Or is it what's right for the actual individuals? And I think, you know, if we're not too careful, those women, those diverse talent that need that flexibility for whatever reason it may be, will start to kind of slip away from those teams that people have created. And then that has a knock-on effect to, to so many things. So thanks for sharing those, those insights. If we was to start looking at your experiences as a woman in tech, obviously you've worked in the, the tech industry now for a number of years. Could you share um, with the audience some personal, personal anecdotes or examples that illustrate the challenges that women often encounter in the industry? Definitely. So part of my job, actually, other than being an engineering team lead, is heading up women in tech. And I spend a lot of my time really doing investigative work, finding out what are women actually experiencing and then aggregating and anonymizing that data to help shape initiatives or also to help shape the talks that I do. Because I do a lot of public talking and a lot of public speaking about what are women in tech actually experiencing from an engineer, from somebody with that understanding of the nuance. And I think one of the biggest things is that a statistic came out in the last year and a half or so that around 45% of women who enter the tech industry leave within the first eight years or by the age of 35. And that's been my focus. My focus hasn't been on getting more women in. It's been on keeping this like fantastic talent and the fantastic people we have in the industry. Now, something that comes up time and time again that I myself have actually experienced, but so have so many others, is how you're essentially isolated and excluded. And it becomes really hard to get that foot in the door with a new team, with a new manager, where you might not, especially if you're the only woman in the team and they all have something in common, like football, and they go out for lunches and they're bonding and you're not able to be you're not able to kind of take part because you don't have any interest in that and what then that leads to is this huge knock-on effect where you know you've got stand up you've got reviews and because you don't have that bond people are naturally more likely to view more favorably their friends right so when your manager doesn't have that bond with you, they're going to look at you in a slightly different light. And this is subconscious. And especially if they've got other unconscious bias such a, that often comes up where women aren't starting on an equal footing, they're having to kind of fight for that basic respect due to people having misconceptions about why they got their job. So that then translates into, let's say, the person who's running the stand-up expect it having different expectations of them instead of oh what can I do to support you you know this ticket's taking a bit longer it's why haven't you got that yet what don't you understand you know it's it's the same type of thing being said but the entire way it's being said the tone the implication is different that then has a big knock-on effect on when it comes to times like reviews because when people are thinking about your performance they're not thinking of all those times you went above and beyond for them because that became normalized they're thinking of that, you know, subconsciously there's that 
disappointment tone that's always kind of in and out of all conversations. It's the fact that you're, you know, maybe you're not a team player because you don't go to football with them after work or you're not taking discussions in the pub about this and that. Maybe you don't have, you can't go to the pub after work because you have to run home and you're losing out on that bonding. And that then means that your career progression is stunted. You're having to fight just to be seen. You're having to fight for respect, let alone, and not even just respect for the actual work you're doing, the general respect. And you're often expected to manage other people's emotions, other people's expectations of you, because women are so often put in that pastoral caring mode. And what that then means is that, you know, if you do decide to leave or you do go for a promotion, you're having to fight much harder. It isn't just, oh, you need to negotiate better. You don't necessarily have the tools to negotiate or your confidence has been knocked down so much, need like, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts, that you don't have that that drive, you don't have that push or that support network to go for it. Or even if you are moving job, to go for the right role for you. Often women get rejected because they might actually be overqualified, but they don't see that they're overqualified because they haven't had that person celebrating them and cheerleading them and building up that confidence and trust within themselves. And there's there's so many things that you you've highlighted there, and you know I'm sure the, the people listening in right now that's thinking I can relate to so many points that that, that you've just shared, and I think you know that unconscious bias that subconscious that 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 just not being aware of this this the the team ethos that's being built and how that can kind of like you said isolate and exclude women and sometimes I don't think it's done with intent it's just the way that that manager that the, the woman might be working for is always led and, and always managed I think for anyone that that is listening in and obviously from your experience and from the people that you've spoken to I'm sure there's a lot of frustration that that has come across how did you or um how did the people that you you've you've spoken to navigate these situations and what advice would you give or offer to women that are listening in that are facing similar challenges to to tackle this so i think one of the most important things that i personally have done everywhere is that i found somebody i can really trust and often that is somebody in a more senior position They've almost all been men in my part, and they are people who I've been able to find who believe in me mm-hmm. and have been able to try and not necessarily always protect me, but they've been there as somebody I can have to keep me grounded, keep me rooted, to be able to point out that actually it's not okay the way this person was speaking to you. You know, and I'm very fortunate that at dojo my manager jag is that person for me that he's able to be my support i would also say building up a support network it's incredibly hard but it's so important i am really fortunate that my partner is also in tech and is able to be that sounding board and support network for me and that you know in the past there have been situations where yeah my my advice has often been leave find somewhere better and the way you find somewhere better is really important. It's by working with recruitment firms who have a track record of caring about women tech and DEI, but also reaching out to people. If there's a company you're interested in, reach out to someone, reach out to a woman 
in that role who works at that company and find out what what do they think you know people want to help and i found especially in women in tech communities people are really eager to be transparent and helpful couldn't agree with you more since being involved with the women in tech community the the arms are always open the, there's always someone there to listen and i think your advice that you just gave for, for those that might be experiencing some of these frustrations, you know, from what I heard, it was find that support network, find those people that can be um, your sounding board. And then if you are really in that that bad place and it's time to potentially move on, making sure that you find and do your research on those companies before you make that jump and you make that move elsewhere. So um, thank you. Thank you for, for, for sharing that that great advice. Um, reflecting on your career um, that you've had so far, how have you witnessed the landscape for women in tech evolve over time? And do you think we're making meaningful progress? I would say the landscape has changed dramatically, particularly over the last five years. I think women in tech and DEI is no longer just uh, when times are really good and somebody wants to do a, you know, box ticking exercise, we can do it. Companies are starting to realise that having a diverse group of people working for them means that their products are going to reach a wider, diverse, more diverse group of customers. And how important it is for the psychological safety and longevity of the people who work there. I will say that overall we're on an upwards trend, but there has been some backsliding. I think online social media with the likes of Andrew Tate and other, you know, hateful, sexist, misogynistic, you know, voices that are getting that traction have had a really negative impact, though. I would say that I've had an uptick in people talking to me from all over the country in all types of industries within tech that they're getting told, you know, a lot more comments, especially from younger people oh, we only got that job because of positive discrimination when they don't really know what positive discrimination actually is. Or, well, you only got this job because you look good for the figures. It's because you are good at what you do. And if you make any mistake or if you're not perfect, you're not superwoman from the get-go, that's then held against you. I would say that it isn't all doom and gloom. There's so many more communities popping up. Over the last year and a half that I've been doing public speaking, the number of podcasts and talks I've done has skyrocketed because more and more companies are hearing that it's important to understand what is going on so that they can actually fix it and or try and fix it with the understanding that it's not a quick fix. Um, and I think in particular, as we're moving away from the only career path being university where we've got a lot more apprenticeship schemes coming up that's a really important thing especially focusing on career switches focusing on you know mums who are ready to re-enter the industry and things like that these are all incredibly positive steps but also the education piece is really important because ultimately when you start out you are going to mimic your manager's behavior because that is the way that you know that you are going to stay in your job, right? And this is incredibly important for people entering the industry, where if they are put with somebody who is more old school in a 
you know, point of view towards women working in tech, or if they do have subconscious with sexist behaviors, or even if it isn't subconscious, because it isn't always, you know, they're going to mimic those behaviors. Even if they don't agree with them, they'll still try and mimic them because fitting in is so important. And you're going to then learn those bad behaviors and bad habits and take it forward. And that's why I think it's so important that more and more um, senior management and CTOs and engineering managers are actually paying attention and are actually going out of their way to learn to try and correct that behavior. Absolutely. I think, you know, you, you say so many great points there. And I think that learning piece, I think there's been a definite shift in companies trying to be less box check, like you said, you know, times are good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just do this because it's part of our corporate social responsibility or it looks great on the website and things like that. I've started to see a way more conscious effort from the companies and the the organisations that I work with. And there is that upward trend to more engineering leaders, VPs of engineering, CTOs, educating themselves. And that's the the men and still the women that that are going on those journeys. So, um, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think there is a shift and there's obviously still a hell of a way for us to go otherwise we wouldn't be having these conversations but I I would agree it's all going in that that positive steps and that that positive direction um let's delve into the name of this this show so the name of the show is why women in tech is not just about women in tech so I know it's a talk that you've done Mm. in the past um and it's one that I took from your own website when I was trying to think of the name of the show So from your kind of perspective, how does the underrepresentation of women impact the industry as the whole? And as the title says, why women in tech is not just about women in tech. So I think it's one of those things that is really obvious if you are aware of it. And what I mean by that is if you're building a product, you want to be able to reach the widest margin of your customers of your users right but when you have engineers building these products that have no actual hands-on experience with it they can only guess and even if you do really good product research even if you do really good user interviews and you gather requirements in a really you know inclusive and accessible way with real diversity in there it's always second or third hand. And it often also means that you're only asking questions that you know you need to ask. And what that can then lead to is products not actually being fit for purpose or are just too targeted towards one gender. Now, a really good example of this is period tracking apps. So when Apple Health launched, they didn't have period tracking. And then it took, I think, like six to 12 months for them to implement it. And it had the assumption that every period was 28 days long. You didn't have the ability to change that. Now, any person who has experienced periods in a menstrual cycle can say that even if they have the most regular cycle in the world, you can't assume that it will only be every 28 days. And on top of it, you know, their scale for pain was like low, medium, high. That, you know, it was a very um, male male version of what they thought 
periods and menstrual tracking should be. And I believe it came out, and they kind of fixed it relatively quickly because of the backlash, that actually, like, their product manager wasn't a woman. Like, there might have been, like, one um, QA, I think they said, who was a woman, but, you know, she might not have felt empowered enough to bring up, hey, this isn't how it works, you know. And that's a really obvious one, right? Yeah. But on the flip side, you can look into so many different industries and see it, see this pattern of things being suited for men. For example, cars. The way that um, they only recently started actually test using crash dummies that had, um, well, a larger chest in, I think, the last 12 years or something, because they only tested it on a male crash dummy. And women were having a much higher rate of serious injury in car crashes whilst wearing a seatbelt because they hadn't done that, like, testing, but also just didn't include it. Now, you might be thinking, oh, well, I've got a really niche product. What could have, what could being, you know, a woman have anything to do with using this random thing? You don't know. That's the honest truth. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what questions to ask if you haven't been involved in any aspect of another culture or another, well, gender. And what that can then lead to is also engineers, or not even just engineers, people in tech, not wanting to work for that company. Because... You know, they're working their ass off. They're building what they what they can. And then they're getting feedback that, oh, you've missed this, you've missed that, you've missed this. Well, that's not their fault. But on top of it, from the point of view of having a company culture where you have people who actually want to work there and enjoy working there and want to progress their career there instead of leaving, that's where also the diversity is really important. Because if there aren't any mentors or people that they can look up to and say hey I identify with this person in a position that I want to get to it's doable instead like they're going to think well maybe it isn't doable here and that will then lead to people leaving and I often say you know in particular with women but diversity in general I believe the more diversity you have the more diversity will come but on the flip side the less you have, the harder it's going to be to get them on board. Because most women will not feel comfortable being the only female engineer in a company if it's a small company. You know, a lot of women don't feel comfortable being able to speak up if they're the only women in a big meeting, in a big team. Or they get worried they're going to have to somehow become the secretary again and just the assumption they will be the ones taking the notes and things like that. And... If you're a company that genuinely cares about the product that you're building, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a bleeding heart, you know, thinking of this from a purely practical business and financial point of view, you know, you want to build things that are going to have the widest reach. And I think it's something that often gets overlooked. You know, it's not just doing diversity for diversity's sake. It's not just, oh, get women in because we need women. It's that you need to find the right women 
but you, you need to find the right candidates in general. And if you're only interviewing male candidates, then you are not actually setting yourself up for success. You need to have a really diverse pool of candidates that once you get to that interview stage, then you can ignore gender, you can ignore everything. If you know that you've done that gathering of candidates properly, and honestly, that's where positive discrimination is meant to come into play, that you actually actively go out and you look for whichever minority you're looking for, be that women, be that accessibility, be that race, you know, you actually actively go out of your way to find a really diverse pool of candidates to interview, then your interviewers, you know, the engineers, the product managers, whoever it is, know that they are interviewing the best candidates regardless of who they are or where they're from. And that will lead to a much better work culture and product. Powerful perspective, really, really love that. And I think, you know, for me, you know, if the companies truly care about their product, then you need to care about that team that you're building from the inception, from the start, to really ensure that you build products that are fit for purpose. And so, yeah, thanks for, for sharing your, your points and your perspective around that. Um, shifting gears slightly, I mean, you've, you've touched on it a little bit here, but why is it crucial for companies and managers to prioritise diversity and inclusion efforts? particularly in tech whilst building their team. So you've mentioned it a little bit, but you know, what else outside of kind of building great products and it's, it should just be what's done. Is there anything else that you would add to that? Um, what I would say is that when you have a diverse team, they all have such different experiences, different points of view. And that can both be in the application of building the product, but it can also be in ways of working. It can be in the actual way that you guys write your code or the way, you know, the different ways of testing it. It could be in, you know, different experiences mean you have different ways of road mapping, of problem solving. And ultimately, you want to build a really secure, tight-knit team who feel safe to say no, who feel safe to disagree and to go say they want to try something different and they feel safe to try and therefore safe to fail, knowing that it isn't failure, it's just a learning experience. And I think the best way of doing that is by showing actively diversity, showing actively that you care about people, that you're, you're not just, you don't view them just as a cog in a machine, but you actually view them as individuals who are people outside of work and that they can bring everything in because what then happens is you get into a rhythm you guys start working much more fine in a fine-tuned way you you bounce off each other you all grow within your selves but also you grow in your by extending your understanding of others and what that then means is that you know yeah, sometimes you guys disagree. Sometimes things don't go to plan. Sometimes you, you know, completely miss the mark. But you learn from it because you have that psychological safety. And you've got that belief in the people you're working with, but particularly belief in your manager that they will do the right thing and that they care 
and that they care not just about you know what the business wants but they care about you as a person and that then means that you know they will feel safe to try and safe to figure out new things and try new technologies and try new everything and also it means that they will feel much more comfortable suggesting other people join the company you know so much happens by word of mouth so much happens through networking if you don't feel you know that your company or your manager or whatever whoever in the management site you know hierarchy actually cares about women in tech or diversity in tech if you are not the cookie cutter standard you know ethnicity gender xyz that is the majority within your team or your company why would you then feel comfortable suggesting that someone who doesn't fit into that should join your company and that's really where you get really fantastic talent because people are only going to recommend people they trust and if you rate that person you're going to naturally rate who they suggest because they've worked with them or they're close friends with them and they understand the way of working and the way that they think etc and when you only you know apply the same metrics to everyone and the same ways of working and the same you know you're not actually looking for engineers you're not actually looking for individuals you just want somebody to you know get stuff out the door you don't care about quality or you don't care about the scalability or the you know the extendability you just want to you know like fast fashion get it out then you're you're really limiting yourself and your company agreeable and I think having that diverse team it brings that diversity of thought and exactly like you said, if you've got that diversity of thought, that safe culture, that safe environment, when people can step up, they can challenge, you can trial things, you know, it's about your manager supporting you to the right thing that, that's done. Um, I think that's where great things come from. And your point on when people are in, in environments that they feel comfortable, you know, they are going to recommend others. No one recommends a bad hire. No one's going to recommend a, a bad person. So actually, if, in, if companies are then looking to grow teams and they're getting those internal recommendations, like you said, they're going to be getting some of the best talent that's out there because people, like you said, feel safe to be in that environment. They feel heard. They feel like they have a voice. So they're going to bring others with them. And yeah, the these diverse groups of people are much more comfortable and will recommend when they're, they're, they're in those safe environments that they um, that they feel. With that in mind and kind of diving into that bit of the topic a little bit further, I speak to a lot of companies and I speak to a lot of hiring teams, TA teams, and sometimes what they, they, they find a challenge is making those steps to really create a more kind of inc- inclusive um, culture um, and to really go out there and, and to be able to build some of these environments. You've got companies that are really well on their journey and they're doing some fantastic things. You've got other organisations that are trying. You've got others that haven't even started yet. So um, if you're a company listening in, a TA team, a hiring manager, um, engineering lead, whatever it may be, what specific steps do you think companies could make to address some of these barriers that might hinder diversity within their teams right now? 
I think there's a couple of things. So one of the big ones is ensuring that you've got a good women tech community within your company and that they have somewhere safe to discuss things because often people feel like they are the only one experiencing this or that they deserve it for some reason. So having a safe place for people to openly discuss without fear of retaliation, without fear of it coming back to bite them, etc., is a really empowering thing. I would also say it's really important for there to be somebody that people can then raise issues with, be that a people partner or, you know, a VP or somebody who, you know, there is an agreement with the company that somebody can actually raise this stuff with them and it can be on behalf of others or for themselves and that they won't face retaliation, that they won't face backlash. That's a really important thing. Now, on the other side of it, you've also got to start really having a look at your wording, your your policies. You know, actually go out of your way to ask women in tech, what do they think about this? Go to, you know, there are so many experts nowadays who can help with this stuff because wording is a huge barrier. A lot of women... Um, will only apply to a role when they tick, I think, seven, seven to yeah. eight, like 70 to 80% of it. Whereas I believe I read the statistic that men apply at 30. <laughs> now, what that means is that you have a lot of women who are not going to be applying for those roles, or even if you directly reach out to them, will say that they don't think they're qualified for those roles because you're saying, oh, we want someone who can do all the following. When really it should be what are the mo- what are the fundamentals that they need? Then what are the not you know one or two things out of the night you know nice to haves, and then these are extras. And really making sure that you're not from the beginning cutting people off, but also then start actually engaging with that community, engaging with people online, being open and essentially okay with hearing that you've you might have done something in the wrong you might have done something that has upset people you might have done something that actually society's moved on and whilst it was okay to do that 10 years ago it isn't okay now nobody's perfect and it's all about that continual self you know review and it's okay to feel upset it's okay to feel hurt or defensive because you didn't mean to do that but it's how you then progress that's important and really hearing what your the women in your company are saying really hearing what podcasts like these are saying and seeing how can you make small but sustainable changes because there's nothing worse than going out to your company and saying we're going to be focusing on women in tech or dei and we're going to put all this stuff into it and then Three months later, oh, well, we never kept up the momentum. It was too much. You know, you took on too too big a bite. It's much better to do small, sustainable changes that won't just drop off as soon as somebody moves role or somebody leaves or things get a bit tough. 
couldn't agree more. Those small steps make such big leaps forward. And from what I heard out of your tips, I mean, they were all excellent suggestions. The one thing I always say to companies when I'm working with them is engage community beforehand. Think of the community that you want in whenever it may be and start that engagement now. You might not be hiring right now. You might not be growing your team right now in those areas, but you know at some point, maybe in Q4, that might be something that's on the agenda and hiring comes back up again. Don't just stop because you're not hiring in Q2. It has to be that that continuous um, approach to ensure that community, like you said, feels heard, listened to and everything else. So brilliant suggestions and and, and thank you for, for sharing that. Um, now, look, I want to be a little bit controversial, if that's something that you don't mm-hmm. mind. Um, so what are some of the common misconceptions or blind spots that men may have regarding gender inequality in tech? And how can these blind spots be addressed? I think there are a few. Um, one I've already mentioned is the way people view positive discrimination. So a lot of people, and um, it's really, you know, fuel to the fire, been made a lot worse by the online voices such as Andrew Tate it's this idea that positive discrimination means that you are hiring someone due to the positive discrimination only and therefore it means that somebody who might be more worthy of it has lost out just because they're a white man or something that is not how positive discrimination works instead it's when you're gathering candidates where you're you know that role is still open for the the white man to apply to but you've got people who are actively looking for diverse talent to add to that pool so that when it gets to the interviewing stage the interviewers don't need to think about anything other than the skills and the best fit now that then is a really big thing because it it really influences the way people actually view and respect women in tech another big thing is that Just because you're a woman in tech, that doesn't mean you need to be treated with kid gloves. So I found occasionally that people kind of flip and they go from being, you know, really ladsy with me. And I'll be like, hey, I'm not comfortable with that. Then as if I'm this really fragile thing and they're worried about even saying women, all of a sudden I can just break. Women are people. (laughs) Like it's really treating people with respect and being professional right and i think often that professional side of it is where the controversy comes in because you know if you're thinking oh i wouldn't be comfortable with somebody outside my team hearing this are you being professional if you're making comments that a woman is going guys that's not okay then realistically you're probably not actually being professional but also just treating women differently because they're women is just as bad. Like women want to feel respected. You know, you don't ever want to be in a situation where you're wondering, did I get this job because I'm a woman ever? And I think those are the really big things. And it's a, it comes down to equity about treating each person with their individual needs. And this is something that I'm particularly big on because I have a lot of health problems both physical and mental um and I'm you know I have bright pink hair I'm very short I'm very bubbly people have this idea of who I am 
And then they get very taken aback when I swear or when I will happily go head to head with them over something I disagree with or that, you know, after work, they'll find me outside doing apparently traditionally masculine activities such as drinking and smoking. Um, you know, and the amount of times people said, oh, I wouldn't have expected you to, to do that. Why? Like, what are your preconceptions that you're applying because of the way that I look or the way that I speak? And like, I'd say the last one really that comes to mind is just because a woman might not be super bubbly or use loads of emojis and exclamation marks, that doesn't mean that they're being cold or they're being a bitch. It just might mean that they have a different way of interacting. But so often I hear like, oh, well, I think I've said something wrong because, you know, they've stopped using as many smiley faces. And I was like, well, maybe they've just got more comfortable in the company and realised that they don't have to because I can tell you it definitely happens where women are told you're coming across in a certain way because, you know, you've told someone to not do something because they did something you told them to not do, but you didn't use a smiley face to reassure them. Would you expect a man to use a smiley face? No. You know, that I would say is a really big thing as well. Like really take stock of why are you assuming things in that way? And do you have that unconscious bias? Because I don't know why it's controversial, but women don't have to be overly friendly, peppy, sunshine and smiley faces in day-to-day roles, especially if your male colleagues aren't expected to either. Great points. And I think that preconception piece, I know in my early career I worked I've worked in tech sales, recruitment tech sales for 20 years nearly. And the preconceptions of my earlier me was very much, Kelly's quite cold. She can be one of us. She can be a bit of a bitch, you know, those sorts of things. All just because of the way, like, you know, because I'm not like the other women that they're used to being around at the time. The other women that they were used to being around were their partners or their wives and, you know, yeah. it was that concept preconception of well, you're not like them. And it's like, well, why should I be? I'm a person. Like you're not the same as every man that I meet. You know, men are all different. And I think I couldn't agree with you more. Just treat people as people. And the world is a much easier yeah. place for us to to all live in and coexist and, and and work together. And that piece on equity, I couldn't agree with you more. We all need different things at different times. It could be different times of the day when you might need those different things. Treating people again as yeah. people and showing that respect is just just so important. Um, so yeah, that's some some great advice and some great points there. Um, we're coming towards the end of the discussion and the episode, but before we wrap up, um, I'd love to touch on the role of women in supporting women um, and supporting ourselves. Yeah, uplift each other in the industry. So how can women in tech be allies to one another and why is this just as important? So I think something that's genuinely really important is the fact that not all women will experience the same things. Now, even within the same team or area, I've had situations where one woman felt like everything was perfect. She'd never faced any sexism, any subtle discrimination. And then I had another woman in the same area planning on leaving because she couldn't handle handle it right and both are valid but it's about being open 
and hearing that like actually yeah you might get treated differently I know that I certainly can am treated differently to other women at times because I'm forceful and because I'm strong-headed and won't take no for an answer when I want it and stuff like that and whereas I know other women who are quieter or don't have that same confidence to talk up don't have that power and that's honestly a big part of why I'm doing my advocacy and activism for women in tech because I am in a position that I have that support I have that passion and I I know that I can make a difference and it's my duty therefore to help those other women who don't have that voice or don't have that protection that I do so I, the biggest thing is talk listen you know I always say that women call it gossip and men call it networking same thing you're finding out what's going on and you're you're sharing news right and it's a really important thing because often women, like I've said, feel so alone. They don't, they think they're the only ones experiencing it or that this is the norm. If, you know, if they know others experience it, they're like, well, this is normal. It isn't. It isn't normal to be treated differently or to feel like shit or to feel like you deserve to be treated badly or that you don't deserve the same level of respect. Therefore, like women helping women, you know, it's cheerleading each other. You know, that whole, like, trope from, like, TV shows and movies of, like, you know, women pepping each other up and stuff. It's real. It's really important that you you support each other and you don't pull the ladder up from beneath you. If you have been able to get past something or to get that promotion or to move ahead, making sure that you then actually leave a rope and help them get up there too. Because that is what men do. Men do help each other. They help them network. They they say, oh, you know, I've got. A, I know a role that's going. You know, I know somebody. Oh, this guy's great. You know, let's get a drink together. Women need to be doing the same. They, you know, you've got a job offer. Great. Check with your community. Check with your other like women in tech friends. Being like, hey, is is this? Should I negotiate, or do you think this is a good salary? You know, how how are these benefits? It's it's all it's that type of camaraderie and support network that will really elevate you. But also, when things are tough, are there to support you and sometimes you know shape some sense into you. Definitely, and it's great to to hear that you see the privilege that you have in the role as a senior woman in tech and how you are leading that way forward and being that representation for others to step up whilst also kind of paying it back and and like you said leaving that rope for others to, to follow through behind and supporting the women within within your own community and your own network and I know you do a fantastic job and I'm going to be sharing your website so people can find out all of the things that you've done and what you're doing because there's loads of really great content that's on there and I know there's great things that you've got coming up as well. Um, my final Thank question you. for you, because um, we are mm-hmm. right at the end, um, and before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or words of encouragement for, for our listeners to kind of leave us on? If you're ever unsure, just reach out. People ultimately are good. They might not always realise what they're doing is bad, but like, if you're ever unsure or you feel like, you know, you are alone, 
reach out. I'm always happy to talk to people. There are loads of fantastic communities online. And the more that we share and the more that we educate, the better the culture will slowly become. Perfect. Couldn't agree more. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Um, It was a really great insight to your personal experiences and, and challenges that you've overcome um, and just yeah sharing sharing with the community um, and how things can continue to improve so for all of our listeners thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Elevate Women in Tech until next time thank you very much thanks, thanks.